Type Network presents The views and opinions expressed in the Pisada Tales are solely those of the individuals involved and do not represent those of the people, institutions, or organizations that they may or may not be associated with professionally or personally unless explicitly stated. Any content provided by the host and guests are of their own knowledge and opinion and do not intend to malign any religion, ethnic group, club, organization, company, or individual. Hello, Jay here. Uh, well, I'm back. <laughs> yeah, so uh, as uh, many of you know, I had to take a break from uh, the Pissarra Tales, uh, mainly to attend to some personal matters, right? Uh, you know, without going into too much detail, I had to care for my uh, my grandmother, who uh, unfortunately passed away uh, several weeks ago. Uh, but uh, it's fine, right? Uh, she lived a full life, and... Um, you know, uh, this won't be a eulogy for her, but I, I do want to thank you for waiting. Uh, and I would like to, I guess, dedicate this uh, episode to her. You know, uh, she never really understood what I do here at times. Uh, but I hope that uh, she knows uh, that, uh, you know, I've done all I can. <laughs> and I hope that she's proud of me. So there's that. Um, yeah, so the Pizarre Tales is back in business. All right, uh, we're gonna come up with uh, new episodes again, new content. This is the 48th episode of the Pissarra Tales. Thank you very much for uh, still tuning in. Uh, for this week, I would like to uh, share with you an episode that I did with a very, uh, you know, maybe not familiar to you, but familiar to me, <laughs> a familiar voice, right? Uh, later, as you'll know, uh, she is the one that uh, I wanted to host the show with. Right, uh, but you know, life happened, and yeah, at least now she's going to be my guest. So, uh, I hope you enjoy this one, it's going to be a very fun one. And yeah, thank you very much for joining us this week. Yeah, let's get to the show. Through education, you can also better yourselves in other ways. You learn how to learn, how to think critically, and find solutions to unexpected challenges. Education also teaches you the value of discipline. You can learn how to be a better human being. Right, welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of the Pissarra Tales. I am Jay Mistrelia or Sir Jay, as my students call me, and this podcast is all about my thoughts and experiences as a young millennial teacher. Welcome, thank you for listening to another episode of this podcast. Whether you are listening through Anchor, Spotify, Google, Apple, or wherever you get your podcasts, we appreciate you joining us this week. And as always, the Pissarra Tales is part of the Filipinas Indie Podcast and Entertainment Network, or Pipe Network for short. Thank you very much to uh, Pipe Network. You can check out all the other amazing podcasts and content. Just click the link in the description of this episode. And in case you missed it, we also have a Facebook group. It's called The Teacher's Lounge by the Pissarra Tales. You can uh, join us there, uh, join the discussion, get some updates from the show. Uh, just look up in Facebook. The Teacher's Lounge by the Pissarra Tales. So uh, this week, we have a very special guest. She graduated with highest honors in Philippine Science High School. She graduated magna cum laude from... Uh, magna cum laude uh, with a degree... 
Yeah. <laughs> With the degree of BS Molecular Biology and Biotechnology in the University of the Philippines, Dilimand, she was an oblation scholar throughout her stay there. Uh, she also worked as a research, research assistant for an algal aquaculture project from 2017 to 2018. And she... Recently finished her stint as a senior high school science teacher and class advisor in Parf Woodrow School. Oh yeah, by the way, the reason why I'm you know stuttering a little bit is because she's one of my closest friends. So please welcome <laughs> Bea Poblete. Woo! Hi B. Hey. Thanks for having me. Yes. Uh, you know, for the benefit of our listeners, originally the plan for this podcast was that B and I would be co-hosting this right uh, yeah. but, uh, you know life happens and turns out that I was the only one hosting but finally after 48 episodes <laughs> we finally have her in this show so welcome B how have you been I've been oh I think it's kind of a lie to say you're good in the middle of a pandemic. Yeah. I've been all right. Yeah, I've <laughs> been good. As good as you can be, I suppose. As good as you can be. Yes, yeah. exactly. So, uh, like I mentioned, you just finished a stint with uh, Woodrose. And right now you are, I guess, in between jobs. But we'll talk a little bit more about that in just a bit. Uh, but let's just go back to the beginning because I'm sure... Not everyone knows who you are. And some of these questions will be really funny to ask because I kind of have an idea of the answers to these. But uh, let's start from the beginning. Uh, what kind of a student were you? I know we were classmates in high school. So I know ten the answer to ago. this. Ten years ago. <laughs> Has it been ten years? Oh. Ten years ago we were oh classmates. Oh my gosh. It's been so long. It's weird. Yeah, but um, what kind of a student were you? I think that... Um the way I would describe my personality as a student is I was kind of like a prize pig kind of <laughs> student. So ever since I was in grade school, I was always the kid in Quizbees. I had yeah. awards and like, you know, like a mastly type of kid. And mm -hmm. it's, I think it was because like whenever people ask me, like, why do you study so hard? Why do you do all this stuff? And I would always tell them, even though I was like a little kid, I would tell them it was because of my parents. Because mm -hmm. my parents, they didn't start out with anything like everything they have now it's just it's all of work like we're not yeah generational wealth <laughs> so I just feel like I, I I felt like even as a kid that I owed them something mm -hmm. for all of the stuff that they gave me and my way of paying it back was by studying and performing That's what well I felt. Yeah. yeah by performing well in class and, and getting really high grades because how else could you prove that all of their efforts were worth it. True, true. Uh, prior to Pisai, though, like, were you really into science or were you one of those na parang, okay, we, let's, let's try to get into Pisai because it's free education. Or did you really like science? I really, I really, really liked science. So as a kid, I, I don't know if you were able to catch those reruns, I think, on Disney Channel, Bill Nye, the science guy. Well, we didn't have cable when I was young. So. <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I don't know how I watched it because I remember not having cable. Also, like the okay. home shopping network was my favorite. <laughs> I don't right. know how I watched it either, but um, yeah, I, I was a huge fan of Bill Nye the Science Guy. Mm -hmm. I still remember this one episode 
where they were explaining genes to children. Genes as in like uh, DNA. Genes stuff. as in yeah, DNA. Right. Yeah. And then the way that they were describing it was that they were talking about how long your genes are inside each cell. And then they had this box and they were just pulling out genes as in pantalon genes. <laughs> they were just pulling out miles and miles of genes. And then it just stuck with me. And, you know, like all kids, like I had that dinosaur phase. You had mm-hmm. that. Um, I want to be an astronaut phase. So I was always interested in science, except I always felt like it was kind of like implicitly discouraged for girls. I went to an all-girls school. And right. it always felt like it. they never said it outright, obviously, because yeah. we live in, you know, the 21st <laughs> century. You can't say that. But then it was always like, you leave the science to the boys. Like it's something that they are better at just naturally. Right. And I wanted, like, I was, like, a really stubborn kid. I wanted to just do the opposite of what I was expected to do. So I was really into science and math, even though they were, you know, quote-unquote boy things. Mm-hmm. And I think that's also why I wanted to try to go to Pisaid, because partially because I really liked science and partly because I wanted a different environment. So an environment where girls could also be encouraged to pursue science. Right, right. And throughout your stay, I mean... I presume it just only invigorated your love for science or did you find a part okay so this is not what I thought science education was going to be um you know everyone's high school experience is a can of worms <laughs> it's a big can of worms yeah, I, I, I apologize so. for opening that up but I mean <laughs> no, I, I, I ask that because you know personally and again this is a personal experience for me Beside didn't really, you know, lessen my love for science. It was challenging, and of course, it had its, you know, uh, low moments, uh, shall we say. But, you know, it, at the end of it all, I still it didn't stop me from pursuing science. And we know that we have lots of batchmates that, after Pesai, unfortunately, or not really unfortunately, but uh, they did different careers, not necessarily under STEM. So I, I want I was wondering what was your you know experience in that aspect like? I think that um, there's that quote. I don't remember who said it. Mm. I'm not a rememberer. <laughs> but um, there's this thing that they say that's that as you grow older you become you don't change, you just become yourself only more so. Mm-hmm. And I think that the the experience, like the exposure to like science, science, science in Philippine science high school was it was equal in the science part and the humanities part so interestingly enough because i had a really like strong humanities department and like yeah. they had really good like arts and social science teachers so they were showing you both worlds mm-hmm. and what i think is that especially for our batchmates who did not pursue careers in science mm-hmm. it's just that it opened their eyes to what they really were and what they really wanted so I think that the school was successful in that regard. Maybe yeah. it wasn't their intention. But then for me, it opened my eyes to the fact that I really, really like science. I do like science. But then I like it just as much as humanities. And there are a few, like, there are a few like, fields of study where you can do both equally. So it's, you'd have to sacrifice one. So either I would go all like full steam ahead in humanities and kind of just like science becomes it an interest or a hobby for me, or I go to science and then like literature and art and things like that just become a hobby. So I think that's what I got from high school. Right. 
And you didn't mention about uh, Pisay having, you know, a relatively strong humanities program. Uh, speaking of which, I was just about to ask you, how did you view our teachers back then? And maybe you can bring this up up to uh, college, I suppose. Like, how did you view teachers in general? Like, uh, were you felt na parang uh, you like them a lot or you know just okay so they're my teacher or did you really hate them deep inside <laughs> <laughs> oh, like what, what, what was your view of teachers back then well, back then so I I've always had like this view of teachers I've always been able to recognize that teachers are people so mm-hmm. just like people there are ones that I like and there are ones that I don't like I can separate them from their job like they yeah. can be good at being a teacher and I still don't like them or they can be a terrible teacher but the person that I like Mm-hmm. And the way that I viewed them is that um, a lot of our teachers were very hands off. So they hands were off? they were more like mentors. Like they, ah, they okay. weren't spoon feeding. It, it was a very ah, weird okay. experience after being spoon fed to have these teachers who were like, go. Good luck. <laughs> and I, I actually appreciated that. And you know that that meme of like the you know gay kids like they cling to the the English teacher <laughs> like filling to a magnet. Yeah. Yeah. So I I really I really liked our English department especially like I I'm just one of those gay kids clinging to the English teacher. <laughs> right, <laughs> More like right. bubbles, like <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and so I I there were a lot of teachers who really inspired me, and I felt that at that point. Like subconsciously, I think that I wanted to be a teacher because they were able to bring me out of like a really dark place. Because you know, school was hard, life was hard. Being a teenager was just the worst thing ever. Yeah. But they were able to like help you through it, not necessarily pull you out, but then help you through it. And I wanted to be that for other people too. Mm-hmm. And I think only later did I realize that that's be- that's called being a teacher. <laughs> Yeah, you like it's it's not just being in front of a class, you know, delivering lectures and stuff. There, there's the mentoring aspect, like you mentioned. Yeah. Yeah. So, any of those teachers you would like to give a shout out to? <laughs> any teachers that I would like to give a shout out to? There are a lot. I, I think that for the sake of fairness, fairness. I'm not gonna for the sake of fairness, I'm not gonna say any names because. <laughs> Like, you know who they are. Gonna <laughs> you know who you are. <laughs> so I'm, the who... <laughs> I'm serious because like um I had so many I had so many breakdowns in high school and there are certain teachers. I think the number one that I would want to name is Sir Sherman, the math teacher. Right. Because I was a math lead in grade school and when mm. I got to high school I was a flop. <laughs> you know what it's like. Like, like, like most of us were in, uh, <laughs> in this. <laughs> you think you're like hot stuff, and you're like, yeah. I'm an I'm an tap. I'm, I'm a cool kid, and then you get to this, <laughs> and you're like, I forgot how to add. <laughs> I I was so I was so bad. He was our algebra teacher, I think, yeah. in second, second year. year. In yeah, second, second year. year. Um, I was so bad that I don't know if you noticed this, guys. I always sat at the back of the room, but then sometimes mm-hmm. during exams, I would just like during quizzes, even I would just have like a breakdown. Like I would submit blank paper. I don't know. I was having my breakdown, a breakdown back. of my you, own as well. So I, I would, yeah, I wouldn't notice. <laughs> but then, um, so as like an honor student, you get this idea that it's like one shot or bust. Like if yeah. you submit a blank paper, it's over. Yeah, that's it. You're dead. 
But then with Sir Sherwin, what he would do is that he would actually like call me during lunch. So during his, sometimes he'd be eating, like we'd be in the mass faculty room, he'd be eating. And then he'd let me take the quiz again, like with him, with his help. Mm-hmm. And like just that, the fact that he gave me like second, sometimes third chances. I think that really made me think about like what I thought of success and failure because mm-hmm. he allowed me to fail safely but then like bounce back and I think that that's one of the best things that I've been able to carry over into my teaching so like just giving people the chance to fail and the chance to bounce back from it right right and that's pretty important because you know in such a high pressure environment you never really think about yeah like what you mentioned it's this or bust so you know having that kind of uh me- that kind of you know, mentoring, I, I suppose, from a teacher na, okay lang magkamali, you can try again, yung pwede kang mag-retest, ganyan. Uh, that's really something pretty radical, I would say, I would say, in in our education system. Um, and then, when you got into UP, I mean, MBB is a pretty stringent program that, there, meron talagang this or bust, if, di ba? Parang you have a Very different so. grade requirement. So, how did you view that kind of education? Okay, so as a like as like a the consistent honors kid, like I don't even it doesn't even sound like a brag to me to call yourself an honors kid. I know other <laughs> people like it sounds like it's it does not fall well on the sounds ears. Sounds Yeah, but then for me, it's it's like a life sentence. <laughs> Once you start to excel, uh, even like as a nine year old, it's like an addiction. You just can't quit. Yeah, and so I I think that's what pushed me into such a I wouldn't say competitive the people there like we don't compete with each other but then Mm. competitive course in the sense that every year they're just bringing the bar higher and higher it's like a pole vault yeah almost and like a like a GPA pole vault and so you're just like am I gonna make it like that (laughs) moment where you're in the air it's the end of the sem and you're like am I gonna make it yeah, and then that and my I had a scholarship, so I had a scholarship that was back then we still had we still had to pay for tuition the bus, so I had a scholarship yeah. that was the only thing keeping me from paying tuition. So mm-hmm. it had an even higher pole vault than MBB, and so I had to fit all these standards, and there was no there was no like retake for that for those yeah. standards. If you drop out, you're out. That's it. Yeah, and that compared to like the teaching style of Sir Sherwin where you can take the quiz again, you can mm-hmm. try again. It it really made me feel so constricted and I really hated that part of college. Like I hated yeah. the grades part, the scholarship part. Maintaining the, standards and stuff. Yeah, the fitting a standard. It's mm-hmm. like for any person to have to fit a standard, it's so, it, it makes you kind of how do you say this? It makes it gives you like a bad um, idea of your own self worth because your self worth is just like banking on that standard. Like yeah. you meet it, para pag hindi mo na meet yun, you're a failure. Parang ganon yung dating na. It's not even that you're a failure. It's not like a yes or no. Yeah. For me, it was more of like there's this mold. If I do not fit in this mold, then what am I? I'm not. I'm not anything. I'm like there's something there, wrong with me. It's not a yes or no. It was more of like, it's sort of like, you know, the how water takes the shape of its yeah, container. Yeah. So if the water is outside of the container, if it doesn't fit that mold, You're formless, what, it's just like all over the place. Yeah. It's, 
Yeah, okay, that's what I that felt. makes sense. Right, right. That's a good analogy, actually. So, um, and then after MBB, um, uh, you became an RA, which is pretty much pretty common actually in our college. Mm-hmm. Na parang, uh, if you're not going to do something in the industry, chances are uh, you end up being an RA. I I did RA work as well, like after after our boards, and this is actually what really interested me because you know we had very similar paths, although I wasn't. A scholar. I was an honor student. You are a scholar. Everyone in UP is a scholar. <laughs> no, I mean, you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah. I'm not, I don't have a, I, I don't have a laude. I don't have Latin honors. Okay. But the fact that, you know, we were both from col- the College of Science and then, you know, we did RA work for a while and then eventually went into teaching. Uh, and not just teaching in college, like what other, uh, other peers of us in, uh, were RAs as well. You actually went into high school. Like, how how did you get there? What was edu- was teaching as a career something that you really thought about from the beginning, or was it there? Was there something that happened uh, while you were being an RA that made you decide, okay, I want to teach? So actually, at the end of at the end of college, I had a very big dramatic time. I I, I think that. You have an idea of what happened, so yeah. uh, just to keep it short, in, at the end of college, around the time that we were all working on our thesis, mm-hmm. I got really sick and I had to get surgery. I actually missed our grad and I was only able to go to college right, graduation. Right. And then, so that that really, it derailed all of my plans. I've always been a person who, mm-hmm. like when I was younger, I kept a diary and my diary had a literal timeline at 23, <laughs> I want to do this at 28. I yeah, want to yeah. do this. And then I've always been the kind of person who, up to that point, was a person who had a timeline. And that timeline involved me going on to perhaps getting a master's degree or a PhD after college, mm-hmm. which is the, I think I would say it is the prize pig route for yeah. people like, in most, science. Most in people academia. in your level... That's usually where it goes. Parang after BS, MS, and then PhD. Yeah, so I was I was planning to tread that path, but then I got really sick, and then um, it it did get in the way of my trying to find work. So mm-hmm. of course, if you're applying for stuff abroad and they don't have many slots to give away, they will kind of reconsider giving it to someone who has just had a major illness because they're. It, you know, nothing's really sure for them. Yeah. So I, th- I think it did affect somewhat, affect my chances somewhat, and also my, my confidence and then my focus on, mm-hmm. like, my goals. Everything was just, like, thrown out the window. Mm-hmm. So I was, I was, for the first time, like, my whole life, I had no direction, I had no plans. <laughs> and that's why I took up an RA job that mm-hmm. was, it was... It was kind of like a like a fresh start. It was I was in the middle of nowhere. I was actually in Kandubang. No, oh, okay. we had no. There was no cell signal in the house that we stayed in. Like we, we were really, You're isolated. It was, it was survivor. <laughs> it was, I didn't know this. I didn't know this part that you there were. There were PBB vibes. Oh, wait. <laughs> we, were all, right. we were all young college grads, and we were working in a startup. So we were mm-hmm. part of the first ten employees of that company. Okay. And we were there were no rules. It was actually quite liberating. There were no rules. There were no forms to file. There were there was no paperwork. It was actually. just very So we were just yeah. we were just messing around most of the time, which was fun. <laughs> but then at the same time, because there was 
absolutely, not absolutely no form, but because things were not rigid as they would be in an established company, mm-hmm. I did feel extra lost. Aside from the fact that I I get easily lost and I have no idea where Lubang is. <laughs> um, I think I, what I did was something that a lot of people do. When you're feeling lost, the first thing you do is you're like, okay, maybe I'll backtrack i'll take a few steps backward and what i did is that i started teaching at the my grade school right so i went to somewhere that was familiar to me that there that the structure was something that i knew mm-hmm. and i um i had known for many years 15 years then yeah so i i went back there i started to teach in a place that was familiar to me that i was comfortable with um, I know that a lot of people, because they know that I was like a, I was like an inflation scholar, I took up this degree that, and you know, in my thesis I was studying cancer, mm-hmm. which was kind of ironic. But in my thesis I was studying cancer, and then to find out that I'm like a science teacher in a school with like less than a thousand students, people, even the teacher, even the parents of my students, like, what are you here? Why in Harvard? Like, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> but yeah, like, I, I did think about also, so, like, like, basically what I did was I did something that to most people was a very mediocre move for someone who has been following my trajectory. Mm-hmm. But for me, it was, it was um, probably one of the most fulfilling things that I've ever done. So it reached because it reaches point that like earning awards, getting high grades, it wasn't fulfilling for me. It was just more stress. Like you hit this yeah. point, you have to go higher, and after some point, you don't know what higher is. Yeah. And to be to try out teaching and to work with like the students, to learn about them, to meet new people, and for things to be about them and not about me for a change, not about me achieving anything. I, I was there to help them achieve things. So I think that what um, I was a very grade conscious kid, and when you're a grade conscious kid, the whole world revolves around you. You're like every every little thing that can affect your grades is really like it gets to your head. And mm-hmm. I don't think it's healthy to be thinking about yourself all the time. It of course, it's isn't. not. <laughs> definitely isn't. But then, um, staying within your own head, being so concerned about all of these things about yourself and your grades, it's it is a it is a prison. And I felt that once I was once like my life was about other people, not just things related to me. I felt so much freer. Right, right. I mean, that's wonderful. And. Uh, let me just go back a bit to what you mentioned that some people might see that uh, considering what you were, I guess, uh, quote unquote, destined to do, like you you were on the track to higher education and then, uh, you know, being in probably an Ivy League school at this point, but instead you decided to teach. And that's not necessarily a downgrade. Uh, in fact, mm-hmm. it's just a different path that you that you took and a noble one I might add uh, considering that yeah a lot of people a lot of your peers uh, were probably in the same level as you would you know continue to proceed with higher education and that's good I mean that's well well and good but the fact that you became a teacher uh, with those uh, you know with the things that you've already done and, and that's really wonderful so yeah I guess I should thank you <laughs> for being one of us <laughs> uh, you know before we continue with our uh, episode, we'll just take a quick break and then we'll be right okay. back. This is the Pesara Tales. 
This episode is brought to you by the Pipe Marketplace. Do you want to get great deals? Or do you want to look for a business opportunity that can help you earn while at home? Or do you want to get discount for your next lunch? You can check out the Pipe Marketplace. Visit pipenetwork.co slash marketplace and use the promo code TPT and get exclusive discounts. Chat with them now. What's the scariest story you know? A book, a movie, a TV or show? Or is it something that happened in real life? My name is Andrew. And I'm Come join us as we talk all things horror. The Frightening, Alarming, Real Life Tales Show. Out wherever you're, you're listening, listening to right, right now. Hey, man here. Are you an adult? Okay, how about a growing adult? It's a kid, or a kid at heart, that is open to learning and change. If that's you, then check out Mabuhay Maxima on Spotify and other podcast platforms. See you there! Right, and we're back here, the Pizarro Tales. We are still with uh, Bipo Blete. Uh, she uh, is a just recently finished a stint, again, as a science teacher as well in, in Woodrose. And, you know... Like I mentioned before the break, we had similar paths in, you know, became became scientists first and then became teachers. And scientists is a stretch, but, you know, that's what we are, technically. Claim it. Claim it. We are scientists. <laughs> yeah, claim it. We were scientists. Uh, but yeah, and we became science teachers. Uh, you particularly, you taught uh, senior high exclusively or did you also teach junior high uh, levels? Um, just senior high. So I was one of the pioneer science teachers of senior high there mm-hmm. was a point where i was teaching all of the science subjects oh, so okay i'd walk so out had... of the classroom walk right back in be like hey guys you miss me <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, wait so uh, let me get this straight in woodrose what happens is that the sciences are separated or is it one uh, integrated science subject um we follow the senior high so in senior high school under k-12 there are some core subjects and then there are electives for the STEM students Mm. or the general academic students. So the core subjects, these include like earth science, they include life science, bio, physics, physical science. And then the electives are like like the extra bio, extra chem, extra physics. So I taught all of those. Okay, so nadaan mo talaga lahat. <laughs> I was the science teacher. The, the only you forgot, you're, you're, when you talk about the science department, like, yeah. the science department teacher. <laughs> wow, that, that that was rough. But I I did see that you stayed there for wait, that's three years, right? Oh, yeah, there are three, almost years. three years. So um, you know, how, what was that like? Well, like the first year you were a science teacher, uh, what was that experience like? Because I was expecting that because I was going into a school that has been around since I was in that school, yeah. that things would be you know, kind of like there were rules set and it wouldn't be like working in a startup. Mm-hmm. But senior high school had just been established at that point. And then they, the school was in the middle of transitioning towards the academic strands, the tracks, so like ABM and yeah. the gas. So you left the startup the to, to get to another startup, essentially. And so... <laughs> Essentially, I ended up in another startup. So I was the first teacher to teach maybe three of the subjects that mm-hmm. I handled. And so there was just the curriculum, the advice curriculum of that, and mm-hmm. I had to adapt it to the school. So I was I was um, basically like one year out of college, no teaching units, and I had to make curricula. 
<laughs> had to design Karimula, and I'm like, I remember the feeling. <laughs> Here we are, startup land again. It, it felt like it had the 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 senior high school faculty. There were only when I first entered, there were only 15 of us or 16 of us. So it was like being in a startup all over again. Like there was just the one Filipino teacher, the one PE teacher, right, right, the one science teacher, the one math teacher. So it was it was I think a very interesting learning experience I think as a teacher with no background in teaching it was kind of like they just pushed me out of the nest and said go fly <laughs> like most startups like most startups it was very startup culture and um, I did I did enjoy not being told what I had to include in the lessons and what I had to take out so, of course, because it was a Catholic school, well, not, not technically Catholic school, but it was, um, it follows Catholic values. Right. So we have, there are certain topics that are iffy because you really don't want to run into, you know how science and religion are yeah, yeah, very yeah. much separate, but you exactly. don't want to butt heads with each other. Yeah. So there were some things that like, they left it up to, I like that they left it up to me to like discern between the things that like I need to focus on and the things that we kind of need to lay back on a little bit, like not be so heavy on. Like for example, you know, let's put it bluntly. I'm pretty sure you're probably talking about stuff about sex ed or creationism and stuff like that. Yes, evolution. Enough, like um, the the creationism was not entirely my problem. Like my problem was um, sex ed because in general biology, it's mm-hmm. got a lot. In general biology too, it's human anatomy. So yeah. all of the organ systems and there's that one <laughs> and there's system. that one yes that one organ system that when you just mention it every every single kid in the room starts smiling even yeah. though they weren't paying attention and when you're talking about that organ system but what i what really worried me is that I wasn't teaching kids like it's one thing to be in a room full of fourth graders what yeah. are the youngest kids that you teach I, I uh the, when I my when I entered the youngest they thought uh, I thought was grade seven, so these were just about to be, I think about to be teenagers. I think yeah, yeah. preteens, teens. Yeah. It's one thing to be in a room full of teens giggling about yeah. their you know anatomy, but then my problem was that the students that I was teaching they were eighteen years old. Yeah. They were well above our very questionable age of consent. Mm-hmm. They are technically, like legally, adults, and yet they were asking me questions that I was expecting to hear from maybe a seventh grader. Right. So that that was that was a terrifying experience. I just, so I really I had to balance, like I had to make make the balance between how much I can say and how much I cannot say. Mm-hmm. And I don't I don't begrudge the school for that because I know that. I knew that when I was going into the school. There's yeah. like different schools have different standards. Like in Pisay, they were kind of going for shock value. <laughs> <laughs> Very secular. Remember, but, uh, I know, not yeah. even secular, like anyway. bordering demonic. <laughs> <laughs> I remember our health lessons. We were just like, what's going on? <laughs> like, lantara na eh. Yeah. I think like, you know, and like every school stands somewhere on the spectrum and I knew where this school was and versus the school that I went to. So I think that it was, it was a really good practice for me as a teacher to have to worry, like to have to think about that balance of 
how do I teach what I want to teach, like the truth to the kids, mm. while not undermining the institution that I'm working for? Yeah. Because that's one thing to think about when we're teachers. It's not just the kids you're teaching. Uh, uh, there are a lot of stakeholders uh, that have stakes, basically. Stakeholders. So it's, <laughs> yeah. uh, I don't know where I was going with that sentence. But, you know, when you're doing something in the classroom, it's not just the students who will be affected. It's the parents who will hear it from their kids. It's the it's your colleagues. It's your uh, you know the administration of the school that you're working for. So yeah, I remember when I had to encounter that as well because um, I was about to teach reproduction to seventh graders, and yeah. the, I reallotted like one class period. I was like, okay, so we're about to talk about reproduction next meeting, not that this meeting. So what we're going to do this meeting is that I gave them I. Group them, and then I gave them each. I gave each group a cartolina, and I told them write everything you know about reproduction. So like, <laughs> let's get it out of the way now. Let's laugh now. Let's you know. Uh, let's see what you know at this point. And then they were really uh, you know laughing and giggling <laughs> the whole period because you know ah they're talking about sex ah. And then uh, I I feel like that helped because a it. You know, lessened the giggles for the next uh, meeting because now they're they were just bored, <laughs> and then and then B, I really saw what their misconceptions of the whole topic were. Like there were some that were already bordering towards uh, soji, and then you know, as a science teacher, I uh, I I had to make turn. Okay, we're talking about biology at this point, so which is mostly going to be heteronormative because that's what most biology teaches us and I don't want to get into the whole spectrum just yet because A, you're seventh graders and B, it's out of my it's out of my pay grade. It's not in the curriculum. <laughs> so parang, it's, and it's I'm not, not your job. As it's not my teacher. job, right? Uh, I mean, I am a teacher but that's beyond what I could teach them and that's beyond our 50 minutes or 45 minutes uh, like uh, time frame. So, at, I feel like that kind of activity really helped the kids so parang, okay, so we're clearing out misconception at the same time. Yeah, you get to talk about scientific truths, basically, and yeah, that, that was about that was interesting that you shared that because yeah, in your case, you're teaching in a school that has uh, predominantly Catholic values. I mean, ako, kasi like uh, they're not really they don't really have like it's not really affiliated with a particular sect or anything. Uh, in fact, I have like it's a pretty international kind of school. They wouldn't say it's an international school, but it was kind of that because we had kids that were from, you know, different races then. So it's really different in that sense. Um, did you being, I mean, what, how old were you when you started out? 2018, that was in your early 20s. 2018, yes. Yeah. Math. Here we go for math. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> I was 22, 23. Yeah, 22, 23, yeah. And, you know, it's it's also a funny thing to see a teacher that is almost your age. Like, yeah, they, these were teenagers. But, like, to see an, uh, someone who's just in their early 20s be an authoritative figure. Uh, I remember, like, the first year of Harang... The first year, I thought like one of my students, my grade nine students, was like, "Oh, you're as old as my aunt." <laughs> and like, okay, and so uh, wow, like to put it into perspective, parang bata ko pala to be doing this job. But like, when you started out, did that help you to 
reach out to the kids or <laughs> was it like parang nawawala na sila respeto sa you like how was that how was that balance like I think that um one because I was so young I think that what I had was like a lot more sympathy for what I would call teenage bs <laughs> you know like, teenagers do things you ask them why even they cannot answer you and yeah. i think that the older people get us patience they have for that it's it's not anybody's fault but then like if you're you're like say you're about to retire you've seen this for like 30 years yeah. you have no time you, you do not yeah. want to deal with this but because i I'm, i'm closer to their age i can still remember what it was like when i was their age Mm-hmm. And it's it's very raw for me, whereas for my colleagues who are much older, it's for them just like a memory they laugh about. For me, it's still a source of trauma <laughs> being a teenager. So like I, the, the, I the generation that, gap isn't as big. Yeah, it's not as big. I can understand them. I can forgive them for their teenage BS. BS. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that that made them like the students saw that and they realized that. It made me kind of like like their ally. So they, mm-hmm. you know, kids. They all kids want really is to have like an adult who's on their side because you, yeah. when you're a teenager, you you really feel like the world is against you. Sometimes it is in some cases. Yeah. Sometimes it's not, but you feel it all all the time. And what you're looking for is you're just looking for the validation of one adult even who will say like what you're feeling is valid, mm-hmm. what you're thinking is valid. You're not you're not being crazy. You're not being a brat. And I think that that's what I offered the students as someone who was the same age as their older sisters. Some of them, their older sisters were my classmates in school. Yeah. <laughs> so, they're like, you know, like, <laughs> and but, then my friends would message me. <laughs> yeah. But like, okay, so there's that side of being a millennial teacher, but how did you handle, say, discipline? Like, How did you let your students know? Okay, enough is enough. Let's get down to business. So, how how did you show authority in that sense? I think that um, one of the major problems that young teachers have is that you get drowned out really easily. So you're like, guys, quiet, quiet, yeah. and then like, but yeah, my teacher. I had uh, my one of my colleagues had this experience. So she taught in grade. But she's a very like she's a very petite person with a very pleasant small like very cute voice, yeah. and so she was like, "Girls keep quiet, girls keep quiet." And it's by Yaknasha, and the, the oh, kids yeah. were just not minding her because they saw her and they were like, "Oh, she's like basically our age. We yeah. don't need to listen to her." But um, what I would do is that I think that you just need to let them know that you are at your limit. There are things that you will not accept. Like you can, you're not really their friend. You're going to be friendly to them. You're going to be a good mentor, but you shouldn't allow yourself to like really 100% be one of them. Yeah, I think that you're, you're the not temptation the same to level. be that. Yeah, the temptation to like hang out with your students outside of school. I, I don't know if it's really a temptation, but then like other people do that when they're young. Like they like they 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 can hang out with their students. They they form like chat groups together. Yeah. I don't add any of my students on social media. I, <laughs> I'm opposed to them until they graduate. Yeah, I think that yeah, I think it's just about even if I was really young and I was actually a lot shorter than my <laughs> students. These are 
especially like the mestiza ones. Those girls yeah, are yeah. tall. Yeah, I feel you. And, I feel you. I feel you. And I am vertically mm, challenged, <laughs> and I don't like wearing heels. That's one of the platforms in school. I mean, it, there's oh, so it, there's none of that teacher yeah, platform. Yeah. So I was really just like, <laughs> <laughs> and I I don't have a particularly loud voice. I'm not the kind of person who gives sermons, who gets mad. Right. So I think that part of it is just really just setting up that boundary that I will be, I will be your ally. I will be your mentor. I will be here if you have problems, but I am not your friend. I'm not your kabarkada. And you have to listen yeah. to me when you have reached the limit of like misbehaving. Yeah. That's actually a very fine line. Yeah, you're right. It's hard for it's harder for younger teachers to uh, to really find like where is that line because personally I still find it iffy when you know uh, I talk to my students outside of work because you know you don't really want to get into trouble you don't want yeah. to you know in, in a more extreme example I suppose you don't want to be accused of grooming anyone you know <laughs> definitely not but you know even like in a weird like I remember this was back in when we had face-to-face classes uh, so I was working uh, I was working out in this gym which was inside a mall so I was about to go home I was really haggard and really sweaty and all that and then one of my students saw me and she was like and, uh, this was a girl and she was with her mom it was like it was kind of awkward in a sense because you know I just came from the gym I'm not really in my best behavior and the mall was yeah. close to my house and then like one of my students saw me and of course I said hi but it was just it was a bit iffy in that sense you know as younger people I think we we have that kind of yeah I, I would say temptation parang say uy si ganito nakakatuwa rin to see someone from your from school outside of school but as a teacher parang it's it's a bit <sighs> I don't know how to describe it. Parang it's ane, it's a bit weird. more awkward. It's, yeah, it's a bit weird. Yeah. yeah. And you're right. Uh, you have to let them know nine. Yes, we can be friendly to each other, pero hindi tayo magkabarkada in a sense. Na parang there is, I'm still your teacher. <laughs> yeah. And so yeah. I think that um, this is going to sound very pretentious. Pretentious warning. <laughs> <laughs> but you know how. Um, with social media, there's that that breach of like parasocial relationships, like your relationship with celebrities. So you yeah. can actually before celebrities were just someone you saw on TV, mm-hmm. and you but now you can actually tweet them. They can actually reply to you sometimes if you're yeah. lucky. I've never been, but <laughs> <laughs> same. You can actually and you can actually win video calls with them. You can go on their Instagram. To be fair, be, can, the people we would yeah. like to talk to are like in a country far, far away from us so, and speak a different language. So I doubt you'll reply to I can us. learn. I can learn that language. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's, a, it's a, the thing. Like, I think that we, we are more aware than ever of like, the very, very weird nature of parasocial relationships. So, mm-hmm. And the, the relationship that a student has with their teacher, I think, should be a strictly parasocial relationship. You can know about your teacher's life just to know that they're human, like, yeah, you know that your teacher like this teacher has a husband. This teacher likes dogs. Yeah, this teacher likes to go rowing on the weekends. But then they are not really your friends. Like, it, yeah. like it's like with celebrities. Like you, you can follow the celebrity. They can follow you back. But does that make you friends? No. Yeah. And you don't really know them. 
that makes teachers sound so dangerous. Like you don't. Really know. <laughs> no, I mean, know we're doing. not closing the door on future friendships. It's just that yeah. if we're in that set, because I ha- one of my closest friends was was my former teacher in elementary. Mm-hmm. Pa so it's a much younger. I know, but it took a while for us to really be na parang okay magkabarkada na kami it's no longer awkward it's not uh it's not a bad thing in a sense and it was I wasn't groomed into this or anything like that so there was yeah. none of that but it took a while and while we're still in school while our relationship is still student teacher it's uh it's malabo mangyari yun so I- I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, I think it's good that you mentioned like grooming because the whole the whole like the base like the foundation of grooming is that there is a power imbalance. It's like yeah. and with a student and a teacher, contrary to what all the young adult TV shows <laughs> seem to think, there I don't know why this is an epidemic. Because like, <laughs> something needs to be done about the the pretty little liarsing of TV. Yeah. Anyway. But like I think that especially with younger teachers, so younger teachers are more at risk of being viewed as attractive by their students. Kasi pili mo parang mas madali mo siya maabot eh. Na parang yeah. well, medyo mas malit yung gap namin. Like, you know, like if I met siya. them, if I met them outside of school, like it would just be like meeting any other normal yeah. person. Parang, gre- exactly. Compared to yung teacher, mentality yeah. Na parang, yeah. Compared to the teacher who's like the same age as your lola, and you're like, that's a lola. Yeah. <laughs> that's. I'm not, gonna, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna mess with her. But like the, it's it's a very, it's a very weird thing because um in the time of our parents, teachers were like, they were seen as like gods. They were very distant. Yeah. They, if you if you angered them, they would smite you. Yeah. <laughs> you exactly. could not speak back to them. But now, especially with millennial teachers, because we suffered the like the tail end i think of the very strict distant teacher we don't mm. want we like we very much do not want to be that like corporal punishment type of military teacher we want to be someone who's going to be like nurturing who's more like a mentor who's nurturing but the problem there is that there is still that distinct power imbalance even if you're a very friendly teacher you have a lot of power over the students yeah and that's that's I think why. And you're an adult, not, basically. You're you're, you're, an you're adult. not a kid. Even though even though my students were like 18 years old, they yeah. are very much children. They yeah. they were very very much children. So you can you can joke around with them. You can you know you can be friendly towards them. You can have inside jokes even. But then I think that yeah the the main thing with being a millennial teacher and being so close to the students' age is that. You really need to balance like between being friendly and actually being their friend. You cannot be their friend, which is, I think, at least sad. not at least not yet. For uh, yeah, not yet. Once they're like, once you're outside, once you're like equals, like once yeah. they're outside of school and you're equals, like you and your former teacher. Yeah. And me, some of my colleagues in the faculty were my teachers in grade school, and so now that we are equals, we're both co-teachers. I think that it's all right for us to be friends. Yeah. Yeah, I think a lot of students like struggle with that, especially the lonelier ones, like the Kasi the mo, uh, to their English teachers. Yeah. <laughs> Basically, yung mga feeling nila, yung talagang kakampilang nila is yung teacher tapos hindi pa pala nila they're, they're, they would be distraught to find out parang, oh, they're not really my friend. They were just being lonely and they sometimes feel betrayed and it's hard to let them know that, okay, it, this is not because I don't like you or I don't want to be your friend. It's because 
we're we're in a different situation. We're not equals, at least not yet. Uh, and you know, we're just uh, we're there's a yeah, like what you mentioned, there's a power there's a power imbalance. Parang yun yun din talaga yung mahirap i ipaliwanag I guess to to students because you know it's easy to for us for them to misconstrue our friendliness as okay magkabarkada tayo so yeah definitely it's, a, it's about drawing the line so like um I I know that a lot of my students felt it was so harsh that I would I would literally reject their Facebook invite <laughs> but I was just or I would just leave them to rot there in the requests yeah. until yeah. their graduation but I like I told them because like it's it's I don't know how to explain to them, but then like it's like I I can act like your friend, like I can be your support, but I can't actually I can't actually be your Facebook friend. It, there has to be like a there's a and line. It's very hard to understand that I'm sure as a as a teenager, you don't have this idea of professional boundaries because so, yeah. you know. Thankfully, because of reform, children do not work. <laughs> so they don't have the idea of like a workplace or workplace like boundaries. Yeah. yeah, true. Were there other things na parang you realized only when you were a teacher? Na parang, okay, I guess uh, on my end, one of the things that I realized was how, uh, you know, how much of a hassle class suspensions were. Like when we were kids, we enjoyed. Okay, walang pasok. Yes, walang pasok. Ganyan, ganyan. Pero as a teacher, you realize that parang shucks, ano, guys, na naman ako ng schedule, gagalaw na naman yung mm, was, uh, deadline. Mga, mga, um, lessons that you have to cut out. And yeah. Then you're like, Do you have so, other things that parang naisip mo na? Oh, ano? Ganito pala, ganito pala yung feeling nila when they experience this. I think that um. So looking at clouds from both sides now, so the, especially with class suspensions. So at the start of the pandemic, it manifested in these just grand suspensions before yeah. we went to online learning. So for the kids, it was like, yes, no school. I can do whatever <laughs> I want now. But then for the teachers, it was just like, especially for the graduating class, because the, yeah. the not graduating classes, like, okay, if I, if I wasn't able to teach this lesson, I'm going to see next them again year, next uh, year. I can, I can like rush through it. But for the graduating class, I felt this, like this very specific kind of guilt that I was just like, I'm going to throw a kid into the ocean without giving them a life vest or swimming lesson. <laughs> That's what it felt like, that we weren't able to finish, especially things like things like math. Mm-hmm. And then once they get out there to the big world where people have the very different training in math and they have to fight like the the math yeah. leads. <laughs> I, I yeah, so the the anxiety of class suspensions like as a teacher, it's very weird. And then another thing is like also teachers when I was I don't you I don't know if you remember this, when we were in high school, so there were in our fourth year there were a lot of suspensions and interruptions yeah and, and they, so, they, they merged the first two quarters together in terms of grades wasn't that wasn't that first year no i think we did that as well during fourth year or was that it was one of that's yeah, how much that, of a mess our high school was <laughs> we can't tell first year from fourth year <laughs> no but i remember as well na parang there was a, yeah it was also fourth year the reason why i remember is because year. i was supposed to be suspended for a quarter as a CAT officer, <laughs> nice. but it never materialized because that quarter was essentially moot. 
Kasi nga parang it was dissolved in or it was it was merged to another quarter. So, di ko man lang nararamdaman yung suspension. So, parang ganun yung I think that's how I remember it. Because I yeah, they were supposed to be because I failed I failed Comsai like one quarter. So, I had to get, get my Ouch. grades up. So, I <laughs> I mean, it was programming, so I suck at programming. Why did Why did we go to programming? You and I. Why did we go there? Yeah, nagandrong tayo, de ba? What are you trying to do? <laughs> my reasoning was that okay, I'm not very creative. I'm going to suck more at web development, and it turned out to be the easier comsci subject. So, parang okay, <laughs> oh well, <laughs> the choices so, we know, made. I it, um without that programming. <laughs> Class, I wouldn't have a fiance now. So. <laughs> That's I true. Think, I think it was a win-win situation. <laughs> But then, um, anyway, so because of those interruptions, I think you might remember this. They were planning to cancel our school fair. Ah, yeah. In Trump. Yes. And we had to, we had to like, it was like those, it was like a Disney Channel original movie. Like we had to have like a presentation in front of like the school. I don't know if it was a school board or like the mancom. Yeah. We had to present it to the mancom. We had to like really argue for our right party. I think that was the time when we, everyone was into Les Miserables and then we were just pretending yeah, to have we a barricade. Yeah, we were taking up Les You were standing on the tables and like you hear the people sing and that as the, as the student end of that like rebellion what's yeah. funny is that you the actual rebellion that Les Mis was based off was just like a total failure which yeah it failed I, I feel like now that I look back on our rebellion <laughs> it was it was it was, it was very emblematic apt. yeah it was very <laughs> apt <laughs> and that, that, now that, that I look at it yeah now that I look at it as a teacher I was just like wow that was so annoying <laughs> 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 Why did we do that? Yeah, like actually, oh, we felt, like <laughs> felt like we were rebelling against the system. Except all of the people who were part of the system, like the teachers that we were like, "You're not letting us have." They fun. had their hands tied. You're, you're holding us back. The teachers, I think that they, they were just like, "We're trying to educate you. We're running out of days in the year because of all these interruptions to go to school, not to." Like yeah. ride that octopus thing, <laughs> like <laughs> or have concerts. Can I mean, now that you mentioned it, parang, oh man, that was a stupid thing that we did. <laughs> <laughs> oh my See, this gosh! Is, this is what happens. This is what happens when you tell students that they are the cream of the crop. They do stupid things like this. They think, <laughs> it gets to their heads. They, they think they can easily change the world. Yes, yes. They think that they're. They think that they're so. They think they're hot stuff. They think that they can make a rebellion. But it, <laughs> the feeling as a teenager of rebelling is so liberating. But then, as the teacher watching, so I in in my as a teacher in my mm-hmm. case, there were a bunch of students who did a senior prank. You know, okay. They watch American movies. They, <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> It's not. It's these Americanized children. <laughs> they, they did a senior prank, and um, it wasn't actually that bad. It was. I, I'm not gonna say the, for the sake of everyone involved. I'm not gonna say it. But then it, it yeah. wasn't. It was not bad. No one was hurt. It was personally. I found it kind of funny, but I couldn't laugh at it because I was yeah. one of the teachers. I was. I was part of the institution. When you grow yeah. up and become a teacher. You are now the thing that the kids are rebelling against, and now that you see the the, the rebellion from this side, you're just like, what are you doing? <laughs> I'm on your side. 
That's true. Yeah, and I think, and I think that um, part of it as a teacher is that I I saw how stupid their act of rebellion was like how ultimately it was it was really pointless it was like the the june rebellion <laughs> it was ultimately <laughs> pointless but i could see how much they enjoyed it because i had been in that place myself i had been singing completely off key do you hear the people sing <laughs> and so as a as a young teacher you you have to like it's it's a very hard thing to do we allow the children to just do their thing to feel yeah. rebellious to enjoy their act of like, pointless rebellion or but then you also have to balance that with the fact that you are the institution now yeah you're the authority and you have to you have to uphold rules rules are there for a reason they're not there to like make people into brainless zombies yeah. they're there for peace and order and you need to uphold it so i think that that's that's one of the struggles, I think, of being a young teacher or a teacher in general, is that you are now, you're now the bad guy. <laughs> you, yeah, you lived, you lived long enough to see yourself become the villain. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah. So after your stint in Woodrose, uh, you're now entering a life change. You did mention it. You have a fiance. Congratulations, by the way. Uh, yeah. uh, would you go back? To teaching, uh, given the chance, or do you miss it? Do you not miss it? <laughs> I do not miss lesson plans. I think that <laughs> it is my my um the teacher who checks my lesson plans who checked them when they existed. <laughs> she knows this. I hate any kind of paperwork. I'm yeah. like, why can't we just like free wing teaching? Yeah. But then, like, I at the same time as an adult, I understand what it's for. So I do not miss that part, but I do I do miss being around the students. I think that um, I really I really like just being part of other people's lives and right. like to to not be the main character. <laughs> that's the and I think that's the, the what being a teacher part, yeah. is. Yeah, the being a teacher is that because um, like my my students, one of my first batch of students, they said like. Um, do you read this manga? And so, like, that was the time when I was still kind of, like, down, though. Like, I pretended I didn't read manga or watch <laughs> anime. I wanted to be respected. <laughs> I, I needed their... I needed and, their and you thought the way to do that was to pretend you're not a weeb? <laughs> that's just, like, I was acting cool. Apparently, these days, it's cool to read manga. They don't, people don't get bullied for it. Kids are different. <laughs> But then, yeah, so they were they were asking me if I read this one that's um, called My Hero Academia. And I was just yeah. like, um, no, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't. And they said that I reminded them of this one character who was, you know, it's at the school, the, the homeroom teacher, because I was their homeroom teacher. Yeah. And I was just like, excuse you, nagsusuplay naman ako. Because like, the homeroom teacher in My Hero Academia, if you Google him, he looks like a hot mess day in, day out. He sleeps at... <laughs> He sleeps at school. He's just, he's just like, he just the eye bags for yeah, years. Yeah. And then I was just like, but then I, th- I think about that now. And I, I do like how, like the way that the teacher should be is that you're not like, you're not like the God, the, the benevolent yeah. God who will feed the people <laughs> with the information. <laughs> but instead you're like a, you're like a support character. You're like a secondary character, like, like really a mentor mm-hmm. who is there for the kids who are the like they're the focus of the story 
the story is not about the teachers in the in any school story and i i really like that i really like being the person who helps like who helps like the growth of the kids and to help them discover like who they are and what they want because especially in the late teen years <laughs> that's that's who they really need. That is the, yeah. that is your that is your struggle. It's just like what am I? Who am I? And yeah. I think that that's that's one thing that I really miss about teaching because now that I'm in between jobs and I'm not currently teaching, I have again fallen into like the that headspace of like you know worrying about yourself, and I mm-hmm. would prefer to worry about other people. <laughs> yeah. And it's really interesting to note, since we did talk about it throughout this episode, you were someone who was in the spotlight because of your achievements. And then now you enjoy and you thrive being a support character, which is not necessarily a bad thing. It's just, you know, it's who you're, you know, who you feel like you're meant to be at that point. So that's that's a wonderful thing to really take note of. Uh, You know, just before we have our final thoughts, uh, you were on the tail end. Uh, your the tail end of your career. Uh, you experienced, of course, online teaching, just like the rest of us. Um, <laughs> would you like to share your experience? I know we we both tweet about this a lot. Uh, back and forth. Yeah, we were just, yeah. For, for, for our listeners, uh, Twitter is like free therapy for us because we just share our experiences about yeah. how absurd this whole situation is. Um, you know, all in all. What were your thoughts in, about it? Like, like I don't re- already know, but you know, just just to share another voice from another millennial teacher. How More was complaints. <laughs> <laughs> this is a grievance desk? <laughs> a grievance desk, yes. How was it? Um, I think that I think that the a lot of people like they're complaining like remote learning is the worst thing ever. But I I beg to differ. It's always been bad. It's just that now we we have this like emperor has no clothes kind of situation where we can mm-hmm. see all of the all of like the underlying flaws of our education system are just pushed to the forefront by the fact that we're trying to adapt this this education system to the remote learning and there's just no preparation for it. Right. So like other like other places, I'm sure they've. They've already started to incorporate remote learning. We've had the internet around for yeah. our entire lives, basically. Even though <laughs> here in the Philippines, we did not. <laughs> <Even> <laughs> did not. <laughs> but you know, the internet has been around for such a long time. And why is and like like all of the digital stuff, all of the information has been there for such a long time now. Why is it not incorporated into our education system why are we still yeah. teaching like it's the 1950s minus corporal punishment yeah like, like it, it was been kite pre-pandemic dapat na incorporate na kumbaga no? yeah. and so what what i found at remote learning is that okay so when i first entered in 2018 it was just like i had to learn how to be a teacher on the go yeah. i had to learn like what it's like to stand in front of people and not stutter or cry. <laughs> or cry. Uh, I don't think, I don't think, like, um, I learned something about myself. When I'm standing in front of class, like, I sweat a lot. Like, I really sweat a lot, even if it's air-conditioned. It's it's really nerve-wracking to be standing in front of so many yeah. judging eyes. Teenagers are the worst. I love them. <laughs> <laughs> but with remote learning... It's like the especially for the older teachers, they're starting from scratch. 
yeah. even more than I was. So like we have teachers who have been teaching for 30 years and they're just like, they're starting from scratch. All of the, all of their skills, all of the things they've mastered in their 30 years of like their whole career, it doesn't mean anything anymore. And now the tables have been turned where I would once go to those older teachers, the ones closer to retiring, and I would ask them like, okay, what do you do when the students are like this? Yeah, yeah. Like I have this student who just <laughs> doesn't respect anyone. Like, what do I do? <laughs> and like, there's this kid who doesn't submit. What do I do? But now like the tables have been turned and it feels so strange that we had to be mentors just to these people who we respect. We really respect them because they've been teaching for so long. Right. And they have to go to us like, going to Zoom and you Yeah, I experienced the same. Yeah, so yeah. Tech support, yeah. Were you were tech support too? Yeah. Uh, you know, one of the... I mean, in our case, the faculty was relatively younger. Like, the demographic of the whole faculty, on average, was relatively younger. But, of course, we had, you know, more seasoned teachers. And then, you know, they were always telling us that so pandemic really equalized everyone. Everyone was starting from scratch. So, it's not just, you know, younger teachers, but also the older teachers, you know, how to do stuff uh, with technology and stuff like that. And even until now, actually, like currently I'm assistant advisor and my, the, the, the real advisor of the class that I'm handling as well is, uh, is more, uh, and she would admit this, she's older than me. So she would ask me stuff about, you know, tech support basically. And, uh, yeah. I think that's what really the distance learning exposed is that we should have been doing this not, not like fully online, but we should have been incorporating this years ago when it uh, and we it's were, been around. Yeah. It's been around. And we know that the technology existed. We were just putting it off. And then it came uh like it manifested in the worst possible way at the worst possible time. So such is life, I guess. <laughs> so, I as, that, no, sorry, I you think were saying that, um yeah, what what people are seeing now is that they're comparing the good old days of face-to-face learning versus this hellscape that is remote teaching. And so yeah. they're, so in our, in people's consciousness, especially students, it's like, like remote teaching, evil, face-to-face learning, like not that great, but like much better. Yeah. And it's, it's giving remote learning. And I think like remote teaching a very bad name, even though it's, some, it's something that we could, if we had adapted it better, it would have really helped the education system grow. Yeah. But because it's been, it came in with the worst PR possible, yeah. <laughs> the worst image possible, like, yeah, that's what happened. I think another thing I noticed is that um, most of our students are, I, I would say, like, my students were mostly Gen Z. Yours might be even, like, Gen Alpha. I don't know where the yeah, line Yeah, I mean, is. They're, they're pretty young. Yeah, so, because like I, I do teach junior high as well. So, yeah, I think they might be younger than <laughs> you, you, the, the students you were teaching. But you were saying? Um, we, we, did, we did them very dirty by assuming, because they are, you know, the cursed were digital natives, mm-hmm. because they are digital natives that they won't have any problems going into remote. Learning. I feel like, I feel like we, we put a lot of focus on okay, the older teachers, teachers in general, we're all older, so we didn't grow up with iPads, so we are the ones who need more help. And what we weren't able to see was that this is new to the kids also. It's it's just as new to them. They know how to use an iPad to play games, but that's nothing like going to school on the iPad. Yeah. And, uh, 
yeah, I think it's just it's just another like another chink in the armor. It's another weakness of the education system is that we we kind of we we don't have a very good idea of what our students are actually like. Yeah, and especially if you have a new student, na this year, this school year, mo lang or last school year, mo lang na meet, and you haven't really met them in person, pa. So they don't really. Oh, you mga new students. Yeah, I I had several uh, since last year, uh, and this year I had two more. Parang it was a bit hard to connect with them at the start, because you know you never really met them in person. You only met them online through Zoom. Uh, through Zoom, parang and the fact that you know as teachers we have to know what our students are like so that we could tailor our teaching so that they would be able to really get the most uh you know the most learning from us and, and yun nga na hindi mo na sila hindi mo man sila na meet in person you don't know the true personalities outside of the zoom call it's uh it's a bit challenging and also one thing i noticed is that Every not everyone who were excelling back in face to face are still excelling now. Like there were, I had several students na they were really good. They were straight A students, and then pagdating ng online classes, like especially last year, the first full school year, their grades dipped a bit. And that's not because you know they got dumber or anything. It's just that they had a hard time adjusting. And the vice versa, uh, the opposite is still true. Parang there were students who were struggling face to face but really thrived in the online setup. So depende talaga hindi <laughs> and you're right. Remote learning got a bad rep because it came out at the worst possible time and we did it very rushed. But if we actually invested a, a little bit more into this prior prior to the pandemic and you know we it probably would have been a better alternative. I think that um so I also noticed that a lot of the so the the general energy of the students these days. Um, do, you, do you remember Twenty One Jump Street? Yes. The movie. Yes. So right, they they were like narcs. So they went into high school <laughs> as adults. Like I have I have very I have some very Twenty One Jump Street vibes from working in a high school so long <laughs> after high school. So what they found when they went into high school was that. The kids are totally different. They're like, they're like, no, dude, you can't be racist. You can't be homophobic. Yeah. You can't bully people like that anymore. And then like, it's not the jocks who are at the top of their game anymore. It's yeah. These eco-friendly kids. The nerds are and, dorks. Yeah, that. the nerds are now in the top of the food chain. And when I went back to school, I found that also. So when I was, I wasn't bullied as a kid because I think that I'm, I'm not a bullyable person. <laughs> the time. Um, but there were very few of us who were like really, I guess, agitated about grades and about achievement or about mm. like, we were just like a handful of nerds, but now it's like every kid, regardless of their personality or their actual goals, they are now a nerd. They now have to achieve all of these things. They like they're the standards for their, like that they set for themselves or maybe that their environment sets for them. It's just it's nerd high. Even yeah. though like I'm seeing this kid and I'm like, this is not this is not that kid. This is not yeah. her. It's not what she wants. It's not her person it's not in her personality. Mm-hmm. It's not That's not then, to, like, see, that's not to say like that, that she's not capable of it. It's just that that's not who she was I guess. It's not what she wants. It's like, not what she wants. You can see it. Yeah. She's she she feels like she needs it. Like 
from let's say tick director's list i have yeah. i have this student who i was the first teacher who ever failed her and i'm like oh god the villain. <laughs> you really feel like a villain when you have to when you have to give away a failing mark because you know you know what it feels like for them for them it all of them feel that this yeah. or bust like kind of environment all of them feel like that even though they're not they're not in the competitive school which is to me in competitive in quotation mm-hmm. yeah, But then, like, so I had this student, and then she she emailed me. She would come to see me after class. She was like, "I cannot, I cannot not her words. I cannot not be director's list." I was just like, "You want to be director's list?" And she's like, "No, I cannot not be director's list." Yeah. And then I was just like, "She viewed very, she viewed it as a necessity." Style. Yeah, <laughs> I don't like this environment. The vibes are all wrong. Yeah, but then like yeah, and that's that's the way that I felt. Like, it's another one of like the failings of our. I would I wouldn't say the education system, but like the education environment, especially um, among the middle class. Yeah, because like the people, the people are super. They don't they don't care. They don't even need to think about finishing school. But then like among the middle class. There's that energy. I can't not not succeed. I can't not succeed. See, there's so many negatives. I get lost. I can't not succeed. Yeah. It's not. I want to do this. Or I want to do that. It's like I cannot allow myself to fail. Mm-hmm. And it became very obvious when in remote learning. So in remote learning, I I gave my students a lot of leeway because it's adjust adjusting. Um, in the middle of a pandemic, we've We lost so many people in the span of one year, two years. Yeah. In the faculty alone, we lost three teachers. Oh, okay. So we lost three of our faculty, and you don't have the time to mourn. Like we we realize how important wakes are when mm-hmm. you don't go to them. Right. Because there's no there's no closure. You don't have the. It's like okay, no time to mourn. Gotta pick up, go back to work. Just yeah. act like nothing's wrong. And imagine what that's like for the student. Because they're they're like much less mature, it's harder for them to pick up and just carry on when their relatives are getting sick and like they're not allowed to go outside. They're not allowed to just you know do things that make them happy. And so that's I think one of the reasons why we're seeing a lot of the like, I guess A type students, especially the honor students, crumble. Yeah. But then the ones who felt constricted in school, the ones who felt like. The ones who felt like really that the school system was not for them, we saw them thrive because suddenly they were in an environment where they felt like free yeah, from more the confines of school. Yeah. yeah, especially the introverts, they loved it. Yeah, <laughs> they loved, yeah, same. They loved not being under like the gaze of their student. Like when they, when they are allowed to recite, when I allowed them to recite in the chat box, mm-hmm. there were these kids that I have never heard before. Suddenly spewing out paragraphs of correct yeah. answers. And same, same. Like, yeah. like I had, a, and, I had a student who never talked in class, and then you know maybe she was forced now because of you know because it's more awkward if you you're silent in a Zoom call. But she's now reciting and she's actually pretty smart. So yeah. parang at least and nag- manifest in that. But you're right. It's it has uh. Online learning has its ups and downs. Uh, we could go on and on for like another yeah. hour, but, uh, but if you could go on about it, yeah. But I think um, that, um, yeah, it's okay. Yeah. Uh, okay. Sorry, I think it's just just like the the one like segue I wanted to go into with online learning is that 
we we had this weird situation because um, all of us teachers, like all of my co-faculty, like we're all very very compassionate people, and we know we know what the 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 toll the pandemic was taking on the students. So we were giving a lot of leeway, and then um, end of the semester comes, everyone's directors list. <laughs> <laughs> Because we were letting them have second chances, we were yeah. like, okay, let's let's finally teach people the way that they're supposed to be taught. Like, let them fail, let them come back, let them try again. And the thing is, with our current education system, if you do that, everyone's director's list. <laughs> when you let people come back from their failure, but it's not a, like a final thing, then, then the awards kind of become obsolete. So it's like, they are awarding system, it it completely fell apart in this remote teaching. It's like, um, especially like when when they're applying for college. What are the what were the criteria for people getting to college now? That there's none of that standardized exam we're used to. Right. So it's like our our system of giving like um, merit to achievement. I think that we really need to rethink it. It's it's one of the things that's just showing all of its flaws. This pandemic. Yeah. Definitely. Uh, you know, before we go on another hour yeah. of this. Uh, <laughs> ten hours. Ten hours. See, this is why I wanted you on the show to begin I with. Now, come back. Yes, please. I I, I will hold your now word. That I'm it's, this is now on the internet. The internet will hear this. You yeah, said that you you're going back. Words. Yes. All right. Yeah. Uh, final thoughts for now, at least. Um, I, I ask this to all my teachers, uh, as all the teachers who have been guests and here in the show uh, and I get different answers every time so it's really I keep I keep these three questions so we're gonna go into job interview mode now alright so (laughs) first question what do you think are your strengths and weaknesses as an educator okay um let's go let's be positive so like I think my strength as an educator is that I'm a, I'm a person you can tell I'm a person who likes to tell stories so mm-hmm. the way that I teach science can be boring I don't know why people would do that to science when it's so interesting <laughs> but the way that I teach is that I try to make it into a narrative I try to make a story and then we'll go along this story together like especially one of my students favorite lessons is when we talk about the development of heliocentrism Mm -hmm. so what we usually when you're talking about history and all the as the i have this one student who's just like i don't want to hear about any more dead white racists (laughs) (laughs) that's what that's what she calls science history because unfortunately there are a lot of dead white racists there yep but then if you make it into a story about how this scientist said this and then this other guy clapped back with this and then they got to this like, <laughs> like straight up Twitter feud through letters and then once you bring in like really like very crude internet drama humor into it, the kids get really engaged in it and then they remember the name of Copernicus, which is a really weird name for them to remember and then like they remember Tico Brahe and they're like, you remember that guy with the weird nose? And then, yeah. Yeah, I think just making science into a story so making it as fun as you know what made what made English literature so much fun to us is that there were stories. There were stories. So just teaching science that way, I think, is my best strength, or at least it's all I do as an educator. <laughs> weaknesses. As for weaknesses, I am allergic to paperwork. <laughs> I, Who isn't? I understand. I understand. Yeah, everyone is. 
but then like I, I understand that you need to you need to keep files. I'm a very messy person. My files are just in a bag. <laughs> I could show it to you. It's it's a bag. Did it's you bring not... home paperwork? Like uh, if you were to check papers back back when we had face to face classes, did you bring home che- papers to check and then you forgot them the next me- the next day? Oh, I'm not that table? much of a mess. What okay. happened? Um, my desk was notorious in the faculty room because nobody has ever seen the wood of it. <laughs> no one's ever seen the surface. Like and like I think my weakness as an educator is that you need to be on top of things. You need to be on top of all the lesson plans, mm-hmm. um, attendance checks. I'm so <laughs> bad at that. Um, I have this like uh, I have this one student that like kind of snuck by because I, I always forget to check attendance, and you know just like just like following rules and reg- regulations. I'm I've never been I've never been good at that. And as an educator, the the need to follow it is to follow rules is just so much more important than it was when you were a student and. That's my problem. You can't <laughs> right. hear the people sing as a teacher. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Um, next question. So, you know, when all is said and done, uh, when you're in your retiring years and you've done all you can as an educator, what do you hope to achieve by then? What's your biggest goal as an educator? I think you might, you might have picked this up from the trajectory of all of the things I've been saying about mm-hmm. achievements and merits, awards. So my biggest goal as an educator is just to be one. Just to, like every day, just be an educator. That's it. Oof. Like, just being a mentor itself is the reward. Grave, grave. Ano patayo na kita sa I've never heard that answer. <laughs> I think that's, um, you know, we, we put too much, this is so funny coming from like the cash cow prize pig daughter who has all the, like, <laughs> my mom has like just like, a drawer full of medals. I, I have collected a lot of medals. They're just, they're metal. <laughs> you can't even smell, they're not even real gold. I can't even sell them. <laughs> Especially the ones from Quizbees, they're always yeah, just like tears. They're just metal. They're, like, you, you, you put a magnet through it, oh, it sticks. Okay, so. I think the greatest achievement of any like, living person is just to live. Like, it's mm-hmm. just every day to live, to live your life, to be to be the person that you are. And I think that's the, the best achievement. It's the best gift that you could get. Right. Wonderful. And finally, any advice for someone who's thinking about getting into you know education i mean you know especially us because we both came from science and you know a lot of people when people think about scientists especially here in the philippines uh unfortunately you know these are the people who go abroad and then eventually become you know affluent whereas we picked the profession which is not necessarily the most affluent <laughs> <It's a big laughs> so uh what advice can you give for someone who's just thinking about it um, in the immortal words of Nicki Minaj, <laughs> don't do it. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I think that um, education is not for everyone. It's it's not, we should not, you know how everyone who takes a master's or a PhD, they have to become a prof? Yeah. I've always found that kind of weird. I know that they need to be adding to the knowledge. They need to be spreading yeah. the knowledge. But not everyone who is in- intelligent is a good teacher. And at the same time, not everyone who is a good teacher is 
going to be that super smart classmate who knows everything. There are lots of super smart kids who <laughs> can't share their knowledge with you. But then there are also a lot of like kids who are struggling like you, but they explain it in a way that you understand. Okay, so I think that um, if you're thinking about getting into education, you have to think about, first of all, why? <laughs> why are you doing it? Because if you're doing it just because you have to, we do a good thing. And then also, like, are you the right person for it? You might not feel smart because you might, like, I know you got this idea that you can't teach what you don't have. Like, if I'm not a smart person, how am I going to teach people who might be smarter than me? <laughs> but, like, education is not about being it's about being able to share ideas. You can share, you, they don't have to be your own brilliant ideas, but <laughs> there are people who can share them better. And I think that that's what people need to think about when they go into teaching. Right, right. Okay. So uh, that's pretty much it. Thank you very much. You're know, starting to. Yeah, we're just ending right in time because you know both of our internet is uh, is wonky. But thank you very much, B, for uh, joining me this afternoon. This is what happened on a teacher budget. <laughs> no, I feel you. I feel you. Uh, anything you would like to plug or promote or say? The floor is yours. Um, anything to plug? Or, like, um, as you know, I am fun employed, and I think I would like to promote that people take more breaks. That's all. Thank you. That's all. Congratulations. Uh, thank I'm you very actually much. not doing anything. I don't have anything to promote. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that means you're free to come back anytime, right? So I will be back. You will be you back. Have my I, word, I will be back. Yes, you will be back. Uh, probably when uh, you're a little bit more free in your schedule. So uh, thank you very much, B. And thank you very much to all our listeners who have been listening thank to... You. To who have been listening to this podcast if you like this episode if you have any comments suggestions be sure to follow us on Facebook Twitter and Instagram at The Pissar Tales if you have any messages or comments if you don't want to do that you can email us thepissartales at gmail.com the original theme music that you heard and will hear was composed by EJ Adrelin once again this is Sergey wishing you a wonderful day <laughs>